Hello everybody, welcome to this edition of the Money Mitch Effect. I'm Mitch Michaels, the host of this podcast, and today's show is a special one. It's Wednesday, March Madness starts tomorrow, but we're going to talk pro basketball, the NBA, with a special guest, TD St. Matthew Daniel. He is the host of the Make It Take It podcast, a former co-worker of mine. This guy has spent time working at the NFL, working for Turner in Atlanta. He is a very, very sharp basketball mind. And we're going to get into a lot of topics, including the current state of the NBA, what's going wrong with Steph Curry's shot, who are the MVP candidates, and what the playoff pictures look like in both the Eastern and Western Conference. And I think we're going to get into why he likes the Clippers, that's going to defend them a little bit, and LeVar Ball who every day makes media magic in the comments that he makes. But TD St. Matthew Daniel, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. We were supposed to go 30 minutes, we ended up going an hour. I think you're gonna like what we have in store. Here it is now, Money Mitch Effect, TD St. Matthew Daniel. Let's roll. All right, now joining us on the show, special guest for today to talk NBA hoops in the midst of all this college basketball. We still got to talk NBA. And doing that, we're going to bring on a, a very special guest, TD St. Matthew Daniel. He is the host and producer of the Make It Take It podcast, which can be found wherever podcasts are found. It's all the outlets, all the popular outlets there. He's produced shows at NFL, including Move the Sticks around the NFL and the Dave Damashek football program. TD, thanks for joining the Money Mitch Effect. Hey, Mitch, how's it going, man? Glad to be on. Don't forget the R&B podcast now. Just a season, just a season-long podcast. My, my guys, Michael Robinson and Nate Burleson, but I was up there as well, the R&B podcast at the NFL. <laughs> That's right, and I feel bad forgetting that because I do like those guys <laughs> and I like that show. I knew I was forgetting something. Your, your resume was a little deep. I had to, I think I had to sacrifice one. I chose the wrong one, but... Uh, in all seriousness, TD, thanks for joining the show. And I, I want to start with this. You host the Hoops podcast. You worked in a, other sports, obviously have a lot of interest. But what is it about hoops? What is it about professional basketball that's piqued your interest? And I'm assuming it was since you were a kid. But when did you first you know, really become this diehard Hoops fan that I know? It's interesting, man. I, I, would, I always put it this way, right? Basketball has always been a dream for me. Like I, you know, just working with the NFL and having having a chance to work in you know different arenas and different avenues. Basketball is always kind of like what's driven me, and uh, and I always said so. Basketball is a dream, but actually football, meaning soccer, was my first love because I was born in Atlanta, but my family is Nigerian, so I grew up in Nigeria for a decent amount of time. And if you know Nigerians, we love our soccer, man. I'm a dual citizen, but I definitely grew up in Nigeria, so I, you know I grew up. Big soccer fan, Nigerian national team. Also grew up as a Manchester United fan. As a matter of fact, I'm actually right now for the first day today. I'm rocking the Manchester United home red jersey. Um, I got this, you know, a, okay. as a gift on my birthday. It was a month ago, about. So I'm wearing it for the first time. Big United fan. I've been since I was like seven, just because my elder sister at the time was a David Beckham fan, and that whole story. So it wasn't like I was just glory hunting. It was a random like elder sister Spice Girl fan. Posh Spice fans, oh, yeah. David Beckham go. gets in the house, and then we start watching Man United games, and I've been a United fan ever since. Haven't had the greatest of times since Alex Ferguson left, but here we are. But back to basketball, like, I picked up basketball, maybe I was, uh, maybe I was like nine, eight, nine thereabouts. Uh, another sister of mine, who I'm actually going to see pretty soon, 
she came back one summer, huge fan of, you know, the Magic and the Bulls and the mid-90s, and that's when I picked up the game. You know, she showed me a couple of tapes of mid ninety Bulls, and I was just like, whoa, this is crazy. You know, before then, it was all soccer for me. But, you know, watching those uh, Magic and Bulls tapes, I, I got hooked on the game, and ever since then, I just wanted to watch, wanted to play myself. Been fortunate enough to, you know, to play in high school briefly. I actually played at Montverde Academy very, very briefly. It wasn't, I wasn't getting any minutes or nothing. If you guys know Montverde, that's where Ben Simmons went to. That's where D'Angelo Russell went to. Back in my year, Luke Balmute was a star player on our team, who obviously plays for Clippers right now. And then uh, I got to play in, in college for a year, too. I was injured my freshman year, but, but played at Oxford College, which is part of Emory University. Um, I got to play there very briefly as well. Not, you know, not, not an illustrious playing career, but at, at a time, honestly, that's all I wanted to do was play basketball. So, you know, I, uh, I consumed as much NBA as possible growing up in Nigeria. No AAU system or anything like that. All my friends playing soccer, but I was, like, so steadfast in playing basketball, so I consumed it as much as I could. I would wake up and stay up. To about 4 a.m., 3 a.m. at night watching games. Um, and so it was crazy. That Game 7 Lakers Blazers series, one of the worst nights of my life, actually, because I was actually rooting for the Blazers. Because growing up again as a big Bulls fan, I wanted Scotty to win a title without MJ so he could validate beyond the Scotty haters who just say he's only top 50 because of MJ. So I was rooting for the Blazers to win that series. They come down from 3 1, they go into the fourth quarter with a 15 point lead. I go wake up my sister, who, again, is the David Beckham fan, and she was a Lakers fan. And I go wake her up, and I'm taunting her. I'm like, the Blazers are about oh, no. to pull this off. It's going down. So I wake up. She wakes up to come watch the game with me. And, you know, history, as we know it, unfolds. Kobe, I leave to Shaq. And that was a very, very trying night. I don't think I slept that night. So I went to school <laughs> the next day, very, very tired, I'm sure. But yeah, that was life, man, just being up at crazy hours of the day watching games, and like even today, being a Man United fan, I wake up at crazy hours in the morning to watch those games. So that that's just me, you know. Basketball is just just personally was really into the game and wanted to play. And ever since then, even after my playing days, um, I still keep try to keep up with the league as much as possible. So um, I write here and there, but definitely want to start the podcast uh, with Lil Murray, who I do the show with, and. Uh, it's been fun, man. I don't, want, I don't want to give you a long answer, but eh, honestly, man, that's such a deep question for me because right. I, you know, I once, speaking of the NFL, you know, we, which, we, you know, we both don't work at, I once had like a, it was like a get to know your teammate better type of a deal, which, you know, you get to know your coworkers and all that. Then, you know, one of the lines I said during my presentation was like, yeah, big reason I'm here is because of Michael Jordan and not, I don't have anything to do with Michael Jordan. I've barely seen the guy a couple of times, but just watching his tapes and, like, you know, learning the dream as a young kid and, you know, trying to chase those dreams is definitely, uh, uh, you know, a big part of, you know, what I've done and what I'm doing today. Right. And, well, a couple of things. First, I, I was shocked to, to hear that you were a, a Portland Jailblazers fan during that well, era. Well, that, that was way before the Jailblazers days. It was about the yeah, same yeah, time. But that I, but was I before the Jailblazers. Yeah. I mean, Sheeta was on that squad, no doubt. Avidas was on that squad. Yeah. Bonzi Wells, Damon Stoudemire, Steve Smith was on that squad. This was before the Jailblazers days. Yeah. And, hey, it was more of a Scottie Pippen thing, yeah. you know. It was more of a Scottie Pippen thing versus this is at the point I started not liking Kobe. I was a big fan of Kobe when it was young Kobe, real, real oh, yeah. young Kobe. And then the All-Star game where he's not, you know, He's trying to go one-on-one, and you start hearing reports of this guy being cocky, and it just makes you think, what if Twitter was around back then? How, mm. how funny would that be? But um, it was those two things, being a big fan of Scotty and not being a big fan of this Kobe-MJ wannabe. 
and it just all came to a head that one night. So I was I wouldn't call my I wouldn't classify myself a true uh, a Blazers fan. I haven't been a fan of an NBA team specifically since I got into the NBA. Obviously with the Bulls. But other than that, I try to stay partial and try to stay um, away from fandom of teams. I have being a fan of sports, man, is a tricky way to, to just there's more hurt in it than than joy. I'm, I'm a fan of United. I've been ever since you know my youth, like I said, but. Um, other than that, I try to stay away from fandom and, and team sports. And I respect the the Scotty loyalty to the end, trying to get his his ring without Jordan. I know I can speak for people around our age. We were spoiled to get into basketball. I was right with you. Uh, I saw the IMAX movie with Jordan as the kid, watching what he was able to do. Definitely take inspiration away from him. And I want to ask you, TD, as we kind of go into the current state of the league. Do you think the league right now is in a good position? It's There's a lot of young talent to the point where there's a lot of young faces. It's maybe the deepest from a talent pool standpoint. It's been in a long time. But there aren't really that many contenders year in, year out. Are you a fan of the current direction of the league? Well, we got to start there, right? And for, First of all, I'd like to you know start these conversations with you hear all the old timers now even guys like who i don't really consider to be old timers like tracy mcgrady coming out and speaking against like today's teams or you know stephen jackson talking about this war his warriors his we believe warriors to take down these warriors and it's like come on guys settle down first of all you're not that old stop with the whole get off my lawn routine but we got to start with the talent man the talent is great the talent is vast it's a deep pool of talent Granted, the team dynamics are different. A lot of things are, you know, for one, the college game and how the one are done. And obviously you have an influx of high school ballers. And, I mean, back to MJ's days, you had a few Kevin Garnett maybe, but that was, you know, he came into the league right when, you know, Jordan, you know, mid-90s when the Bulls were about to take off and, you know, end that dynasty. So you had an influx of the young guns, the Kobe's, LeBron's, and, and T-Max, like, as mentioned. And so, I mean, the team dynamics is different. Obviously, again, speaking of AAU, guys are knowing each other a lot earlier. Guys are friends a lot earlier. So just the way teams are built are different. The way players interact are different, a little bit different way back when. So, I mean, I, as far as contenders go, I think it's a matter of, I mean, we saw what happened with the big three. And that's why I brought up how players interact these days in their relationship. Because they're able to... Or they have been able anyway to build such big three teams because they played together on Team USA. They've been buddies ever since. You know, they interact and they plan these things together. I don't like the argument when people say, well, MJ would never have done this or, you know, Larry would never, Larry and Magic would never have done this. It's a different era, man. Players interact differently. Like, <laughs> the, yeah. I, I just don't, that argument doesn't hold for me because you can't apply today's, you know, interaction with to yesteryear's interaction. So ultimately, I, we have the, I guess, lack of contenders because there's so many elite contenders, usually one or two elite contenders where everybody else isn't really a contender. And I know both teams have slumped recently. I know we're going to talk about them, especially the Warriors soon. But this year you have the Cavs, you have the Warriors. Obviously the Spurs are always up there. But everybody else seems to be you know, typically on the next level. And that's where it ends. And that's really because of the dominance of players such as LeBron, players such as Steph Curry before obviously before the slump and the dominance of their teams and with the Spurs and Popovich and Kawhi that's why everybody else you know seems to be on another level there's you there's so we have such elite contenders where you can make the argument that for one the Warriors are one 
the greatest teams last year. Obviously, they didn't win the title because they were upended by the greatest NBA Finals performance of all time. The greatest, you know? Mm-hmm. So the reason why I might not seem to have as much contenders now is because we just have these elite, all-time generational talents at the very top. So I'm, you know, I'm personally not mad at that, honestly. Yeah, I think the, the only thing that I think needs to be pointed out is that if top players want to take less money, that's their right, yes. that's their right, and nothing can change that. That will be how it's set up. The only area, and I agree with you on, on most fronts, TD, I would look at it a different way. Are we developing skilled players at the AAU level, like you said? I think that's a fair uh, complaint to think that maybe some skill development is lacking, but by and large, I think the league is in a good place and I don't know how long. I mean, it, it, you, you said it. LeBron and Curry. These guys, Curry's 29. LeBron is, you know, 32 now. They're not going to be around forever. So I'm intrigued to see what the next cycle of talent, what the next cycle of players look like. And, and I don't really pay too much mind to the older generations of players either because while I respect their accomplishments, sports change. I mean, sport, sports leagues change. It's officiated differently. They're played differently. And I think it's really hard to compare errors because of that. No, for sure. And I think there's some some bit of envy from those guys, too. Obviously, they didn't make as much money. I mean, look at MJ's contracts during his playing years. Uh, yeah. for, for crying out loud, he had that one crazy 10-year contract where he was earning peanuts, to be honest. Uh, but obviously, he made money elsewhere. And that's, that's another good point, right? Like, players are willing to take less on the NBA contracts because, one, they know how important winning is. And if you do more winning, if you're more in the national spotlight, you get more deals and you can make more money elsewhere. Ethan Shaw's of ESPN put out the article about a year ago how Steph Curry is probably more loyal, <laughs> has more stake in Under Armour. He's probably more of an Under Armour guy than he's a Warriors guy because he's making more money there. And same thing with LeBron and his crazy Nike deal. Obviously, the NBA contracts are getting up there now, too, as well. But there are other avenues for these ultra superstars to make money as well. So, hey, what, what does it matter to LeBron if he's, other than status, which I know is important, if he takes five less million a year so he can have Carmelo, another all-star on his team. I mean, look at what D-Wade did for years in Miami. He was never the highest-played player on a Miami t- Miami yeah. team, ever. Yeah, ever. No, so, you're right. I mean, it's, it's it's a matter of, like, dynamics, man. It's not just about the money. It's about work environment. Believe me, I've been through some stuff career-wise, too, to know that, hey, work environment is important. <laughs> yeah. right? It's not just about what you're getting paid or it's not just about what you're doing a lot of times it's just about who you're doing it with and that's really important well i would say the only main thing that might need to tweak in terms of obviously guys can take less money and you can regain that money elsewhere but the idea td of the luxury tax that's never really set well with me because i would almost rather have a non-salary cap because you have an advantage for owners that are wealthier the Dan Gilberts that can go $100 million in the luxury tax when some owners just can't afford it. I think, I think that's the one thing I would change and tweak if I was Adam Silver for a day. Yeah, but take it from someone who's a United fan and has enjoyed the luxuries of having a rich, uh, even though it hasn't well, been as rich in recent times. But, you know, the yeah. soccer leagues, European soccer leagues, you always have your United, Barcelona, Real Madrid, the top guys at the very top. It's aristocracy, really. It's not... I, I do think overall this system is better in terms of competitive balance, in terms of having multiple contenders. But, yeah, maybe there's some tweaks that can be made for sure. And then you also see reports. Like it's always tricky to get into this money conversations because then you see reports such as the ones that came out a month or two ago saying the Cavs actually lost money last year. 
obviously that's not factoring the value of the franchise, how much more valuable it is now. The LeBron's back and they won a title. That's also a big that's also a big uh, factor to you know add to the equation as opposed to just the profits or, or losses annually. But yeah, let's let's leave all the money talk. I know this is the money man. I know the money magic back, but let's leave all the money talk to the side, man. Let's, okay, let's talk some moves. That's fair. I had to I had to get that out, you know, a shameless plug for my namesake. But okay. <laughs> TDC, Matthew, Daniel, Money Mitch Effect. We're gonna talk hoops and I wanna get right into it now with what's going on currently. And there's a pretty hot MVP debate, and we mentioned the current state of the league right now, T D. There are some superstars showing out, and I gotta ask you your opinion of two in particular. Westbrook and Harden, former teammates in OKC. But now it's Westbrook, the one-man show in Oklahoma City, averaging a triple-double. Harden leading the league in assists, not too far behind in points and rebounds. There's a lot to like about what both these guys are doing. And I'd have to ask you this. Is one above the other, or is it too close to call, as some political pundits would say? It's tricky, man. I did, we The most recent podcast I did on the Make It Take It podcast, I actually had a, a, a guest co-host of sorts, Adam Joseph of 16 wins, wins, wins a ring. Go ahead and check that podcast out. So we get in-depth in the MVP conversation. Um, he's the editor-in-chief at 16 wins a ring, and he breaks down the MVP discussion like no one else out there right now. So we go back and forth a lot on that. I'll try to give you some new takes to him, uh, Money Mitch. I'll try to give you some fresh new okay. takes on here. But um, I would say for me, it's you can bring up the point that Westbrook's team right now is currently sixth in the standings, I believe, right? They're currently sixth in the standings, about two games behind the Clippers. I would say this. You have to question what the term valuable means if a guy who whose team is six can win the MVP. Mm-hmm. How valuable is it to I, – I get it. He's averaging triple-double in the stat line he put up tonight is absolutely ridiculous. Um, against the Nets, he had 19 assists, 25 points. He didn't shoot the ball well, but, I mean, that's sometimes far from the course of Westbrook. Um, he got his rebounds and 19 freaking assists. That was insane. His effort is just unstoppable. The most consistent effort I've ever seen. But again, how valuable and what does valuable mean if, you know, a guy whose team is sixth, and they might still end up being seventh. Granted, they could still end up being fifth. But granted, how valuable is valuable? You know, if that's, that's you're going to get an MVP to that guy. So that's where it starts and ends, sort of starts and honestly ends with the Westbrook to me. And I'm not a... I'm not a fan because a lot of times in just sports and society and, and culture and human you know human society overall, the wrongest idea to keep doing something is because that's how we've always done it before. Right. That's that's it's completely silly. Like <laughs> things change, like we just discussed with teams and generations and whatnot. However, though, I do think that the quasi unwritten rule that's in the MVP clause that essentially says you have to be a top three seed. The last guy who wasn't even a top two seed, and don't quote me on this, but I believe I'm right. The last guy who wasn't even a top two seed that won the MVP, I believe, was MJ in, like, the 88. There was a three seed, and he had a crazy season, and then he won the MVP award. So we're talking about a guy who is sixth seed, maybe seventh, maybe fifth at best, winning the MVP award. I, I, I just don't see it because... The reason that rule or clause is there, and it's an unwritten rule, it's not actually written in ink or anything, is because because of that term valuable, right? Mm-hmm. Like you have to, yeah, you have to equate to wins. Basketball is a game where one guy can impact a lot. Your playing style, your stats, your numbers have to equate to wins. And we see that with LeBron all the time. There's some, a lot of guys that we see 
If they have a huge game, that means their team won. Point blank. You don't even have to see the rest of the box score. And then some guys we see, they have huge games and not so much. We, we, obviously, Kevin Love is, is a co- main culprit of that. DeMarcus Cousins is the guy with the question. And I'm not saying Westbrook is on that level at all. I'm not. But I do question how much of his playing style, as much as it helps them win, given how they've chosen to play, I do wonder how much of his playing style also holds them back from actually being more team-oriented and actually, you know, being more uh, being more balanced on both sides. They might not be as good, maybe, overall, record-wise, because his effort is so much. But end of the day, enormous and great season. But I can't just get over the hump that his team likely is going to be in the sixth spot. Right, and, and, you know, look, I've said similar things the last couple weeks. I'll put it like this, TD. We both had a football background as well. There should be a most outstanding player, a, a best offensive player, just some other distinction to honor what Westbrook is doing. Because yeah, he can have that award right now. <laughs> he deserves it. <laughs> See, yeah. He can stop playing right now, and we would give him that award unanimously, right? Yeah, and I'm I'm not gonna fact check. I, I trust you on the uh, on the Jordan eighty stat about not being in that top two three seed range, winning MVP. I know it's been over thirty years, TD, since a team, since a guy on a team with less than fifty wins won the MVP. And unless the Thunder go on an absolute tear and lose three games or less the rest of the season, it's not gonna happen. I'm old school too. I equate win, value with wins, and for as great as Westbrook is, and we can nitpick at what he has to do, how, how he can be reckless at times. The effort is unquestioned, unparalleled, probably in the history of the game. But in a sport like basketball, which isn't soccer, which isn't football or hockey, where one guy can dominate the action, I have a harder time giving the MVP to a player that isn't on a true winning team. And then also got to point out that Harden is on a top two, top three seed and doing all these things. So it's not like there isn't a candidate available. Harden is also right there. And you could make a case for Kawhi Leonard, and I would hear that as well. But you have you have more than enough capable suitors for the MVP on teams that actually win. That's that's the facts, right? Harden is also is, is the main competitor right now. And, and Kawhi, not too far away. Kawhi is not too far away. I'll say this. If the Warriors continue their slump, I know they got a win today. The Spurs do own a, do currently do own the tiebreaker right now over the Warriors, a 200 against the Warriors this season. If the Spurs somehow get that number one seed, I, I think that bumps Kawhi up to maybe a co-MVP. I'm not saying they're actually going to do a co-MVP. They're not. But he would be on a very similar level that Harden is because he's the main guy. He's only also on that squad. I know Harden is the same thing. But those two guys, it would be hard to deny any of those two guys and go all the way down to the sixth or fifth or seventh seed and give it to Westbrook. So I'll be interested to see how the Spurs, how they finish their season. But that could be something that, that bumps Kawhi up a level, level for me over Harden. Right, but but you know with San Antonio, they're gonna get kind of they're they're gonna get screwed in the mind of voters for Coach of the Year and MVP yeah. because it's the Kawhi Spurs. Kawhi needs a PR agent. Win. He needs a better PR agent. He needs. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, how much of that is this Kawhi doesn't even right. want a PR agent? He doesn't want to do any of that, right? No. Like he, that's what it is. He it's it's sometimes you need that publicity. You need your shoe company hyping you up. What's Kawhi on shoe wise anyway? Is he Nike? He's not Adidas. I know that much. He's a Nike guy. Yeah. He's a Nike, yeah. yeah, it's insane. He, he needs some love. And I, you know, I was talking to my, to my boy, and he was like, I don't think Kawhi cares about that. And, you know, who cares about the MVP? I'm like, no, the MVP is important. I mean, whatever <laughs> yeah. drives Kawhi, I'm pretty sure winning MVP helps as well. I, it's not, it's not, we're not talking about an all-star nod. I mean, we saw in the all-star game, the guy asked 
Steve Kerr, hey, sit me in the second half. I don't feel like playing him. Like, that's understandable. That's all-star game nods. Like, to me, I think all NBA first teams should be the big deal every NBA season as opposed to all-star selections, right? Right. But MVP award, man, that puts you up there with a, with legends. You know, that puts you up there in a history, in a history book. So that I would think he cares about. So, hey, I, I think it's right up there with Harden, especially if the Spurs get that number one seed. Yeah, it's going to be something to monitor. I do want to switch to that Golden State team that is currently now with their win tonight. We're taping this on a Tuesday when the Warriors beat the 76ers. They're a half game ahead of San Antonio, even in the loss column. I actually want to lead with this, TD, because I understand resting players, and I understand what was going through the minds of Golden State resting their players uh, at the end of the road trip against San Antonio. But why didn't they sit those guys against Minnesota when they had something to play for, being the top overall seed in the tiebreaker in that Saturday night game? That, that's what I don't get. My hunch about it, just how quickly Steve announced he, announced he wasn't even playing. Those guys weren't playing. I mean, Iguodala, we all heard all his press conference and, and you know the, mm-hmm. his comments and whatnot, which he got fired for. He didn't even know, right? He didn't know they were not playing the very next night. My hunch is that Steve was so frustrated with the effort, and not necessarily maybe the effort, maybe just he saw how tired his guys were, where he was like, okay, you know what? I was thinking about it before. I wanted to see how they were going to play, but now I've seen how they played, and yeah, I'm not definitely not playing them tomorrow. So I wonder, I don't know if he had, going into that game, he already knew he wasn't playing them. I think he was on his mind for sure, because he has mentioned in the past, like last year they were going for the record, so that was out of the question. This year they're not, right? Mm-hmm. And so... I think he just saw how his team was performing and just made the decision as soon as the game was over because that was a very quick decision to the point where even his own players didn't know um, right. right after the game. So it did, it did seem a little, it did seem a little on in the moment Kerr's decision, and yeah, I can't fully fault him for looking out for the best interest of his team. Popovich has done it with the Spurs. Eric Spolster did it for the Heat. This happens. The only people that really suffer TD and there's not really a remedy for it are the paying customers. Because I that do is, feel for them, the the fan that wants to see Curry shoot. It's the one chance to get. Or, or just a fan of basketball that thought this was going to be a good game and paid $1,000 for a courtside seat to see all the backups play. That is, that's a great point. And it's, the NBA, they have to come up with a way to fix this, whether that's better scheduling, because you know, they know these back-to-backs, and they obviously backload the schedule because now the NFL is over, and you're ramping up to what the playoffs. It's sort of what the NFL does in the final couple of weeks of NFL season where, like, you have those division battles to decide the playoffs, except, obviously, the NBA's 82 games and the NFL 16, it just feels, it just feels like there's this six-week rush of, like, crazy road trips and crazy games, and it, it's unfair to the players. So coaches take matters into their own hands, and it's time for the NBA to respond and uh, better serve the league and better serve the fans because that's unfortunate. Yeah, if you're, if you're a fan of, of the game and this is your one chance to see Steph Curry or these guys and – and that happens just the night before. It's it's unfortunate for sure. Yeah, and I, and I would say maybe one remedy would be: Do we need eighty-two full games on this? Oh, I definitely don't think season? we do. I, I this is my <laughs> co-host, Lord Murray, on Make It Take a Pod. He is a big fan of the eighty-two game schedule. He's a statistician, though. He's big on okay. stats. He's done NFL Network research. Believe right now, you know, he's doing some NBA research. He's a stats like. Maven, stats guru, so he's big on keeping the sanctity of 82 game. I'm not. <laughs> and I think we need to, again, we need to just, just because we did it like that in the past doesn't mean that's how we need to do it now. 
and that's definitely one uh, one part of the NBA schedule or part of the NBA in the process that we can change. It doesn't make any sense. I think we we're less in the games, so about 60, 65. You make games matter more. There are a lot of theories on schedule reform out there, and I would love for them to take a serious look at it, look at one of those. But again, TV money, TV contracts, all that. But my hunch, my gut feeling, and hope is that they can really sit down and plan ahead in the future. And yes, less games, but make games matter more. That's a huge part of the NFL success. Huge part of the NFL success. The games matter every week, no matter if it's a couple of bum teams or, you know, in the past, the usual Titans, Jaguars, Week 15 tilt right. that no one cares about. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I can't speak for all stats, TD, but if, if we're worried about scoring records and numbers, well, they're going to probably add a four-point shot soon. So what's the big deal? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> But, you know. Yeah, they'll be adding one for sure in the All Star game. That's that's the plan. And obviously, we've heard about the Ice Cube Big Three League with you know retired NBA players, which I'll be excited to check yeah. out. Adding a little four point uh, mechanic to their system. I would say this. I do think as far I know you're kidding, but I do think overall, as far as the I think you're kidding, <laughs> but as far as the actual NBA regulation game goes, I think we're more likely to see the court being widened and dimensions changing, like three point line being stretched out as opposed to actually changing the you know three point or four point format i think we could see you know yeah we might see a wider court and you know so we can bring back bring back the mid-range game and you know have that have you know huge importance so we'll see you know game evolves for sure i'd say that's like a half kidding i i do want to see some changes but there are there are options as you illustrated td st matthew daniel money mitch effect he's the host of the make it take it podcast and i want to get into golden state right now We'll start with Steph Curry because this guy is the two-time defending MVP of the regular season. He was unanimous first time ever last year, but his shot just hasn't looked the same. The numbers back that up. Is there something wrong with him? Is he in a drought? Do you think there's serious concerns with this guy? Ah, man, it's Steph is such a weird one for me because I've spoken about it on, length on, on my podcast. I try not to because then people are like, oh, you're defending him or this or that, but... I wrote about Steph last year in the playoffs when he had his first injury and he came back maybe a, you know a couple when he first came back and he played and and I I didn't want to play Twitter doctor none of that but again the whole vibe just forgetting from people around the team and it just seemed like someone was off to me and um, I'm not saying that I I don't know if anything anything is lingering from last year but that's where you kind of start right with the slump of Steph like everyone remembers what happens in the playoffs and obviously the finals. And where this guy lost quickness, he whatever was bothering him, whether it's tiredness or his physicality, I definitely think his injury, leg injury, like you know his ankles and his knees. There's been articles about how he's built up his ankles and you know the the amount of weight he's added or the the work he's done on his hips and that helps his whole body. All these things are all linked and chained together. And like whatever happened in the playoffs, whatever happened in you know the first round definitely affected him throughout the playoffs because he lost his quickness. And the thing with Steph. And because I watched, I think, 80 of the 82 Warriors games last year. And I'm not a Warriors fan, but I did so because I'd never seen anything like this on a basketball court before. And the way I explain it is just with Game of Thrones, when that first dropped, or when 24 first dropped. Like, oh. it was such a game changer. But it was like, if you're a fan of TV. Exactly. It was a revolution. It was a revolution. That's what it was. And so I had to watch every game because you, you never knew what was about to go up. And... 
in doing so, you know, you pick up tendencies on what guys do and how guys shoot from deep and all that. And Steph was very particular. Like, you know, when he was taking those deep threes off the dribble and man, once that injury happened, he's, he absolutely couldn't get past the bigs anymore. Even in good games he had, he still wasn't taking his type of shots, haven't taken his floaters. I mean, honestly, think about it right now. I haven't seen his signature high floaters. And this, this his floaters are so signature and so special. Like, NBA 2K had in, in the game as a, as a signature animation. I don't know if it's going to be in the game next year as a signature animation because he barely does it this year. So a couple of tendencies, a couple of differences in his game that affect him last year and then going into this year, obviously having to incorporate Durant. And one way I sort of thought about it was in previous years, Steph could shoot without a conscience every time and not just saying it. A lot of times, oh, you know, he's just, you know, no conscience. He's just letting it go. Like, no, no, no. He legitimately could shoot without a conscience every time because, I mean, Clay's an all-star, you know, but Clay's an all-star in a lot of ways, because he plays off Steph Curry, right? Draymond's an all-star, but he's more of an all-around all-star as opposed to offensive all-star. Steph could do whatever he want whenever he wanted to, because his numbers backed it up, and because there was no teammate on his squad where you would be like, oh, he should have passed the ball to XYZ. You know, XYZ could get a better shot. This year, he does have that teammate, Kevin Durant. And that's what we did with Westbrook every time, right? When Westbrook would do Westbrook things, and we would be like, oh, man, but you got Kevin Durant on your squad. So even though Steph makes smarter point guard decisions the couple of shots he took early on where you feel in the, in the building you feel the little tension there's like mm, i don't know if you need that shot man you got right. you got kevin durant in the squad and who's to say steph himself isn't feeling that <laughs> so so as in the past we definitely did not have a conscience he had one this year and that's i mean is that body language stuff is that just quasi stuff maybe but i think that stuff factors in man as a shooter and then you get into the x and o's about incorporating durant and pick and rolls and whatnot so that's part of it i think that's that's definitely part of you know forget the slump i've been talking about this all season steph curry has not played like the steph curry we saw last two seasons pretty much all throughout this year not consistently anyway right um and that's the big reason why they don't look as explosive that's the big reason even when durant's healthy even when they're winning a ton of games they're not the exciting team they have been because steph was the cheat coach steph was the one who broke everything down and he hasn't been able to do that, whether that's through some physical issues or whether that's through incorporating Durant. He hasn't been able to do that. And last thing I'll say, too, is he had some upper body muscle this year. I don't know if that's affecting anything. But there's some things he's changed. And, you know, the re- first of all, you got to go back to the reason why he added the upper body muscle. Because we talked about MJ early on. MJ did the same thing playing against the Knicks in the 90s. Yeah, he had to. So the Knicks would beat him up. So maybe Steph had that same amount of thought of like, man, I, I was getting beat up in the playoffs of Thunder, Cleveland, all that. So maybe I need to bulk. And maybe that hasn't helped them like, obviously, like it helped MJ because that's not a style of play, right? Yeah. So I don't know. And then the other thing I'll point out too, forgive me for rambling on, man, but this, this Steph Curry stuff I think is so yeah, interesting and fascinating to look at. But the other thing I'll point out too is I haven't looked at the updated numbers yet, but when I did my most recent podcast, which was about a week ago, Last year, Steph was number one in pull-up jumpers, efficiency, field goal rating, which accounts for both two-pointers and three-pointers. He was number one in the league if you're taking over 200 shots. This year, Seth Curry was number two. I know, I saw you put Steph- that out. <laughs> yeah, and Steph Curry was number nine. Like, it's so fascinating the drop-off. His pull-up game is is not average, is better than average, but it's not spectacular. It's definitely not great, and it's not Steph Curry level great. So, 
there's something going on there, man, for sure. What exactly it is, whether it's, you know, a combination of all those factors, but it's it's somehow not talked about. I guess it's being talked about now because of a slump, but it's been there all season, all season. Right, and like anything, I guess with apologies to the hot take community, this is a multi-layered answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, can... that's, yeah, it's, yeah, and I don't, sometimes it's not yeah. always either or, sometimes it's and, and yeah. another and, and another and, and yeah, I just don't know for sure, so I'll give the hot takes, though, when I got hot takes, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, well, you pointed out a couple of great things, and that's, the numbers are off. He, he is off. I mean, just look at it. I mean, you mentioned watching him last year to this year. You could see a difference. He's missing shots that he's made, not just three-pointers. It could be injury-related. It could be training-related. Last year, he ran the gauntlet, and I think the Cavs were just the team that finished him off in the finals in terms of how his body was feeling and, and breaking down. And, and this year, too, with Durant, you have another alpha male on the team. It's the only time in his career where he's not for sure the best option on the floor. And he always has been up until this year. But the one thing I think, in addition to what you said, TD, to point out, you mentioned a lot of anxiousness in the arena. I mean, there's a lot of pressure on this team. They had Durant. They're coming off a 73-win season where they lost in the finals. So there's a ton of pressure. This isn't that fun. You mentioned the headline. They ain't losing the finals. They lost a 3-1 lead in the finals. Well, I know. I mean, I, that's true. And, you know, I, I got. I didn't want to bring up a 3-1 lead joke because I feel, I feel like that's the worst hey, thing. Have you heard the true. new 3-1 lead joke since today is uh, March 14th? Yeah. It's Friday. <laughs> might, yeah. might as well. But the, the point I'm trying to make is that this isn't that free-wielding team, the Free Spirit Warriors, the same one that would just play, just pure joy, everything was fine, yep. and they kept winning. This team... The team kinda, was having fun. That team was like the... Go back to the 90s again, or early 2000s. Yeah. That Sacramento Kings team, how much fun that squad had. I saw that in the Warriors the last two years. Yeah, and it I was know, just fun. And I know you're a movie buff. I'm going to use this as my uh, as my metaphor here. 300, they're King Leonidas seeing their own blood. They didn't know they yep. could bleed before until yep. last year. So that's where I'm viewing all these struggles. Now, the talent is still there. Worry scale, not very much, considering what we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, where talent-wise, they're as good as anybody, any collection of talent we've seen in a long time, maybe ever, in the history of the NBA. There is some adversity, but toughen up would be my advice, because all teams go through adversity to win championships. It's just a fact. For sure, and yeah, it's a good point there. And also, well, first of all, i got to tell this joke for those who haven't heard, man. It's, it's Pie Day, so the, the joke of the meme today is obviously it's Steph Curry's birthday as well today, March 14th. So, obviously, Pie, the figure for those of you that for some reason skipped elementary math, 3.14, the lowest decimal abbreviation of that would be 3.1, and obviously the Warriors lost a 3-1 lead, and it's Steph Curry's birthday today. So, there you go. Another 3-1 joke for your Arsenal in case you need it to talk Warriors fans. And they, they deserve to be taunted. I'm not going to front. They, they were cocky as hell. I'm, and for a good reason. And for some, somehow, some way, I still, I still don't believe it. And I don't believe it more so just because I was, how amazing LeBron was. And obviously Kyrie in those closing moments. But that in itself was, it does, there's a reason it's never happened before, right? And mm-hmm. so, that, you know, that's, the, that in itself was amazing. And then obviously we got the, we got the Super Bowl with that. Let's not even get into that. And then we got Barcelona doing what they did last last week to PSG. So clearly, if you have a lead, forgot the World Series. If you have a lead and going into this playoffs, that's the one fun thing about these playoffs. No team is going to feel comfortable with a lead. I don't no. care if it's 3-1. No team is going to feel comfortable because I feel like that 
sort of mindset has been broken, obviously, given the past year we've seen in sports. But speaking of, of adversity, I will say this, too. The regular season this year, more so than any other year, has meant very little to me in terms of a predictive measure. And that's only because we just came off a regular season last year that seemed to have the most predictive measures. Warriors 73 wins, all this. The Cavs looked horrible at points. They fired their head coach. Yep. They had some really, really bad lows. And come playoff time, all that didn't matter. It just didn't. It didn't matter at all, and and not only the you know the Warriors lose in the finals, but they almost I mean they were down three one against the Thunder. I mean, so ultimately it's teams are at their best. <laughs> what do the teams at their best look like? And because you know come playoff time, that's what they're going to be doing. They're going to be playing all their top six seven guys the most. No time for any deep rotations or whatever the case may be. So that's what I'm sort of focused on. I honestly. Again, sorry to the hot take community. Do not care about the Warriors' recent slump. I do not care about the Cavs' recent slump. This is all regular season ball. Everyone's trying to get to the finish line and you know and, and play a play of basketball. So that's where we'll see it all shake out for sure. Right, and to kind of put a bow on this part of the discussion, I agree with you, and I think we're still at a point where I can only see, right now, I'm saying it, only three teams hoist the Larry O'Brien trophy at the end of the year. I only see Warriors, Cavs, and Spurs as champions. Anything else would downright shock me. That's that's exactly correct. Um, it would be completely shocking, but, I mean, if you had to throw out some names, uh, no one on the East. I mean, not no no Boston? Celtics. Sorry, no. sorry, Boston fans. That's not happening. I love Isaiah and what he's able to do as, such a, as a small guy and score so efficiently is amazing. Couple of times, that's not going to work. The Wizards are interesting, but come on, there's no way the Wizards no are. I'll be shocked that they made it to the finals. Forget win the title. The West, and there's a team out West that if they put everything together and everyone's healthy, because we haven't really seen this in a few years, the Clippers, and that's not a sexy pick. Oh, wow. They're, okay. You know, they've been on even. They're the team. It's between them and the Rockets. They're the team. Those two teams will shock me the least of the other shocking teams. I'll, I'll put it there. It's just Clippers are the prototypical. I don't care what they do during the regular season. Really? I, I don't care what they do during the regular season. I don't. You were, I really don't. Uh, you were making such great points until you got to but the Clippers. I, that's my thing. Because it sounds crazy again. Because you're judging them based on the regular season. But remember, I prefaced all this with like the regular season right now is just a means to an end get to the playoffs, and they're a team that I know that they, here's what I feel, feel like you need to have to win to win an NBA title. And teams, I would say every champion in the last five, six years have had this. At least two All-Stars, right? At least two mm-hmm. All-Stars, great outside shooting, and and good coaching, right? Oh, I thought you were going to say the coach's son, but yeah, no, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, shout out to Austin, man. That's yeah. one of my random things. I'm actually an Austin River truther. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm down with Austin Rivers. Um, he's, yeah. He hasn't played well as of late, but he played great when Chris Paul was out. So I've always been down with Austin, and uh, he can still score the ball. I know he has some boneheaded moves most of the time, but the Clippers have at least two of those. I mean, Doc has come on a fire for good reason. I think they have, you know, they like depth, and once again, once you run the Jamal Crawford offense on playoff time, that's not going to work. Um, and they keep doing it, so that's obviously questionable. But Blake quietly is having a very solid season, 21-8-5. Not a lot of players are putting up a style like that. So, I again, I still put the Rockets ahead of him, and I still think even 
the Rockets are in the shocking. Oh, if they win the title, this is shocking because they only have one All Star. You need two, right? I see put the Rockets ahead of them in terms of in terms of quality, but in a lot of ways, I would almost be less shocked if the Clippers won over the Rockets because they, they have that veteran presence. They and they have those two All Stars. That's just me personally, and I don't care what they're doing this regular season. I just don't. Okay, but but I'll say this: What odds would you give me to go against the Clippers? Essentially, beating the Rockets, Spurs, Warriors, and Cavs because that's what they have to do at, as a six seed, and it would be the greatest run in playoff sports history. What are they right now? They're the five seed. They're the six seed. They're, uh, I think they're the. They, no, they're the five seed. Okay. They're the five so, seed. Yeah, they're two games out of the. the so no, I, I stand corrected. If they maintain the five seed, if they're not caught, then it would only be one of Spurs yeah. and Rockets. But okay, so Warriors, Spurs, or Rockets, and then Cavs. <laughs> I still think they can catch their four seed. The, the, you know, Jazz are playing well, obviously. You know, again, the Clippers have been inconsistent and injured. They can maybe catch a four seed. Either way, they're in that matchup. Yeah. Jazz, Clippers, first round, I'm going Clippers. I don't know about you, but I'm definitely going Clippers. Again, I just don't think the Jazz can come playoff time. The well it's worked for them during the regular season, I don't know how well that's going to work for them. I, I, I love Rudy Gobert, yeah. um, Golden Haven, and those guys, but I will pick the Clippers in that series. And then, at that point, you got to beat the, the Warriors, obviously, which is a Big shot. I'll tell you this. Going into last year's playoff series, before obviously before Blake and, and CP3 got hurt, and you know because they played the Blazers, I would have picked the Clippers playing against either a Steph Curry less Warriors or a Steph Curry hobbled Warriors team. I would have picked the Clippers because again, come playoff time, I know it's against conventional wisdom because the Clippers have had a couple of big time screw ups. But I, I think they're still. I think you know those two guys come playoff time. If healthy, are still going to can still get the job done. Okay. Well, I, I respect your your loyalty to the Clippers and Austin Rivers, but the if healthy part. <laughs> I mean, we've been <laughs> waiting. We've been we've been waiting on that if healthy part for about four That's years now. So we're almost at half a decade. But we'll see. Well, before I let you go, TD St. Matthew Daniel on the Money Mitch Effect talking hoops. I want to end with this, uh, a discussion on, you know, I know you're a league, NBA League Pass guy, and I know we mentioned only about three or four maybe true contenders. But every year there's that new crop of teams, that young, exciting bunch of teams that have the future superstars, future franchise faces of the league. Who are some of the teams this year on the up and up that you think are worth buying into now? This year has been a weird one, actually, because I would say – this is the first year where, up until maybe a week ago, two weeks ago, where obviously there are no playoffs inside for a few teams and you get just have to think about the future. This is the first year in a long time where maybe one team or two teams were actively tanking, if that. Yet the Philadelphia 76ers for a while, with Embiid still playing, talking about playoffs. The Hornets, who were obviously not in the playoff picture, they were in the playoff picture earlier, so they've been trying the Magic have all that young talent. Frank Vogel isn't trying to lose his job again, so they've been trying. The Brooklyn Nets, who are the worst team in the NBA, don't have their pick. So they don't have a reason to tank. They're just terrible, right? Yeah, and obviously the Lakers, I think they've been not necessarily tanking. I just think they're so young that they're going to lose anyway. Oh, they're, no, <laughs> they're the tanking. Best, I think that's, that's the best way to tank. That's the best way to tank, See, right? Yeah. Give some exciting young plays and flashes, but you're still losing games, right? So this is the first year in a long time where a lot of teams, I can't really point to any team, one team that was definitely, like, tanking, right? So with that said, 
you have the Suns, you know, obviously with Devin Booker, I'm a big Devin Booker guy. He's had some huge games lately, had a couple of buzzer beaters. Mm-hmm. So I definitely always watch him when I get a chance to. I mean, speaking of Curry, we brought up Seth. Seth hasn't been balling lately. The Mavs have, you know, played a lot better. They're still in the playoff hunt somewhat. And then the T-Wolves as well. I'm a big Rubio fan, and him and Tom Thibodeau's relationship hasn't gone, they didn't go great early. Obviously, there were all these trade rumors. But ever since, we, you know, we saw what he did just yesterday, 22 points, 19, 19 assists, which is a franchise high for the T-Wolves. They seem to be on the same page now, and he's balling ever since the All-Star break, since, you know, trade deadline as well. And they're always a fun group because I love Rubio. Just watching what he does as a passer is always been entertaining to me so i'll watch that on the east eastern conference side other than sixers there's really not much there right the sixers obviously because of mb Derek sarge has done some things i mean tj tj mcconnell has done some things but i really kept up with them and they would have been my number one league pass team if ben simmons was healthy because i'm i'm huge on ben simmons obviously with his injury (laughs) a little skirmish now but i'm big on his passing ability his playmaking ability as well so when he plays, I'll be watching them. But those are a few teams for me. Um, the Knicks I watch here and there because I actually was intrigued by Derrick Rose earlier to start the season because I think this is the most healthy he's been since his injury. And he's showing flashes. He's, you know, averaging about 17 a game. He's going on some good runs. So I watched him early on in the season, but that team is such a mess that you can't really you can't really mess with them. And not as – I mean, the Bulls are a mess. Right? They're no fun. No, and no. then – Miami Heat are the other team. Current Miami Heat team, they are they're fun. They might get into they might sneak into this playoffs. In, in an ideal world, I would love the Pistons to drop out. I would love the Bucks to still make it because I want Giannis to get that first taste of playoff experience because he's a big time feature in this league. And I love Miami Heat to get there as the eighth seed to play LeBron in the first round. That'd be pretty fun because Miami's playing good ball, great team ball right now. That's one of the best stories, or one of the weirdest stories, maybe. I can't decide. This Miami Heat resurgence, what were they, 11 and 30? One of the That's worst right. teams 11 in the and East. 30, and 32 and 35 right now. That is insane. You know, and, and I just think it, it speaks volumes to Spolstra as a coach. He never got enough credit for how good of a coach he was during Miami's run. I, I think yep. people just assumed that it was just talent-laden. But they were in four finals. People wanted more in the Miami community, but... Winning two, he is a very big part of that. The one name, I mean, you mentioned Giannis. I, I just like watching the Bucks play. I know Jabari Parker's injury sucks, and it's unfortunate <clears throat> for a team on the up and up. But every time 34 is playing, you know, I'm buying. Like, I, I'm invested. I think he's the brightest superstar in a league full of bright superstars. So Jabari is? You think so? No, no. I meant Giannis, man. Giannis, oh, sorry. I'm, okay, yeah, gotcha. No, yeah. yeah. Although Jabari is up there, though. If I was... You know, the second injury makes it makes it harder to yeah, fully invest. Tough, but same, before, same, same injury, oh, yeah. that is tough. Yeah. But before that, I would have said he's near that top five range, and it was the premier young duo. But I just think Giannis is, uh, is an extraordinary talent. He is, I mean, a Greek freak is the perfect nickname for him because who thought, what basketball laboratory would we have even thought on creative player in video games, in 2K or whatever, would we have thought we're going to build a 6'11 guy that can lead his team in every category, has over 12-inch hands, and is at risk to do anything and everything every given night? A couple of years ago, he was uh, given the award by ESPN Magazine as the perfect basketball body. And I'll even, I'll even go as far as say about three, four years ago, I was, well, three years ago, I called, I said, hey, this guy, 
he is Kevin Durant type frame, but he has the ability to add muscle, and that's exactly what he's done. Kevin Durant cannot add muscle. Like there's no body types where no matter how much weights you lift, you're not adding muscle. And Kevin Durant's one of those dudes. But you can see in Giannis's frame, like he could add put on the pounds and put on the weight, and which he's done. And now it's like, my goodness, this dude is like you said, like <laughs> the the perfect basketball body. So yeah, I bright future ahead of it for him. I'm I was excited seeing him in the All Star game. Just that sort of confidence to be around these guys. And um, my boy from college pointed out that this is really key for him because. He doesn't get the Team USA summers, right? Because he's Greek. He's actually Nigerian too, like like myself, born to Nigerian fa- uh, family. But you know, they they were raised and grew up in Greece, so he you know, he's, he claims Greece as as his home. But uh, he doesn't get the Team USA summer experience to practice all these talented guys on a day in day out basis, learn from those guys, you know, sort of pick up their habits. So just being around the All Stars was so big for him that I think that's sort of confidence. That's sort of like I'm, I've arrived. And I think you're going to see this from here on out where I don't expect any All-Star games where he's not involved, uh, he's not participating. Although I am worried with how inconsistent that Bucks team has been. They're on the rise right now, but they're so inconsistent with Jason Kidd. I think it's more of a Jason Kidd thing. So we'll see how they end the season, but Giannis, man, awesome yeah. feature. Yeah, only thing I think he's lacking right now is I want to see that draft day hair come back. I thought that's, <laughs> uh, that was... That was my introduction to him, honestly, TD, and my mother's side of the family is Greek, so I was just like, who is this Greek guy getting drafted that high? <laughs> I was optimistic. I had no idea who he was, how, how he basically rose up the draft rankings and then up, I mean, it, it was his, his rise is meteoric, and the fact that we don't know how good he can be. 15th pick. Yeah. It's insane. And, and the number one draft pick that year was Anthony Bennett, so <laughs> there <laughs> It all comes full circle. You can find talent anywhere. Well, you know, you never know. TD, thanks for joining the show. And I do, one last note. I, I'm trying to figure out what side of the argument you'd be on if you think Michael Jordan would win a game of one-on-one with LeVar Ball. I mean, I don't know. I, knowing your background, <laughs> I'll tell you what, I though, man. I am, I, this is going to be a hot take, but I am so he here for LeVar Ball's takes. <laughs> oh. I am so here. Yeah. I mean, he's not, come on, he's crazy. The man averaged about two points his college career. Um, which is about the same I average at most. But um, I love his takes. I lo- absolutely love that the fact that he exists. Like, some people hate it. Some people are like, this dude needs to shut up. And maybe, you know, he's he's causing some detriment for his kids and their futures. I don't think really. I mean, honestly, not to get political, we live in a country now where a guy who absolutely just blew past any sort of, like, requirements or, you know, <laughs> rules is, is president. So, I mean, the fact that... LeVar is able to do what he does. I, I think he's, I think it's fine. I, I think it's just entertainment. If you're interested in, in drafting his kids, you're not going to stop because of his, of his dad. So for me, I'm able to take it as entertainment and also taking one one ear as entertainment and then let it go out the other ear as complete utter, and utter nonsense. Like, you know, so <laughs> yeah. I just find it I just find it to be fun, man. And he's, hey, he's, he's living vicariously right now through his kids and, hey, there is kids, so I'm not mad at all. I'm not mad at all. So, uh, <laughs> props to LeVar Ball, man. I'll say this. We mentioned movies earlier, and I was a huge, huge fan of the movie Logan. Go check it out if you haven't yet. And I listen to a podcast with his director, James Mangold, and you can tell from him. You can listen to him and, and know how much he was not a fan of how much he just disliked the current state of superhero movies and how much he wanted to shake things up and not do the same thing and and go against the grain. And, hey, sometimes 
to make something revolutionary, which I think Logan definitely is, I think it's going to be the Dark Knight of this decade, mm. you have to completely just break the mold, man. Uh, you're brown, you know, my man, I'm a big Joe Budden fan. <laughs> you know, you, 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 yeah. he, has, you know, has a lyric where he goes, you know, you're bound to run into hurdles when you're breaking new ground. And I think even though LeVar is saying completely nonsense things, I think he has some interesting ideas of like, hey, my kids are going to have their brand as soon as they get into the league and all that type of stuff. And him being honest about, oh, you think I'm exploiting my kids? What do you think UCLA is doing? Like, <laughs> yeah, just split up, put it all out there on the table, man. There's some good that can come from that sort of truth and honesty. But all the other stuff he says is complete nonsense, but still funny. Right. I think the, the only area that I would take some issue with is if the kids are on board with it, if the kids are on board with their dad as an entertainer, then that's fine. But I would just hope, and maybe I'm optimistic in, in hoping that they are, that they're not kind of being, you know, it's kind of not unwarranted for them. They're not put in an awkward position where they're not a fan that's of it. true. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah, it's entertainment. He's speaking some truths. He's speaking clearly and freely, but... I mean, I don't know. I haven't seen his post-up game. Maybe Jordan would have trouble. I, I, don't, I don't know. I can't say. Uh, I've seen no, it. no, no. I'm telling you, man. It's a whole different ball game. It's a whole different ball game. I'll, I'll leave with this though. A lot of times we do this as basketball fans because we're such huge basketball fans. We think, oh, we can, you know, score an NBA game or hold our own against X, Y, Z. Because basketball is simple, right? It's a ball and a hoop. It's, it's, it's. We and we all do it. It's a very common game, but man. If you ever get the chance, I've never sat courtside. I've been close to courts before, just, you know, either, you know, post-game, halftime, or just walking around and, you know. But the closer I am to the to the court, the more you see how insane professional professional basketball players are. The athleticism. And we, we brought up Seth Curry, and I'll say this again. The reason why he's playing so well right now, I think, is because he's gotten used to, this, to the athleticism at this level of play, at this level of competition. He could always score. He could always shoot it, all of that. He has a slower release than Steph Curry, uh, Seth does. But now he's gotten used to the speed. He's gotten used to the tempo. So he knows when a guy is about to block a shot so he doesn't take that shot. He knows when he has enough space to pull up for a shot over a 6-7 guy and all that type of stuff. Because, man, the athleticism is a completely different ball game. So I think LeVar is suffering from some of that where he thinks, oh, I can cross over. I can shoot a jumper. MJ can't shot. Can't stop me from shooting a jumper. It's like no, 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 man. The athleticism is so much; it's overwhelming. I mean, I I thought I could take Ike Taylor, who's an NFL cornerback, one on one, doing my times at the NFL, and we actually played a game. And I was like, no, Ike is not a he's not a hooper. He's playing football. Once we started playing one on one, I realized like, oh, this is the guy that used to go one on one and press coverage against Calvin Johnson and the likes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, long arms, all that. Like, there's a reason why, you know, the athleticism alone is, I mean, he, he, he didn't really handle the ball great. He couldn't shoot it. He was just backing me down, going to the rack. And I didn't put some points up, but his athleticism alone is what he beat me off. He beat me with. So, yeah, LeVar, I, lo- I love the bravado and his confidence. Again, it's entertainment, but, hey, man. That's the goat we're nope. talking about. And, you know, knowing... MJ's competitive drive. I'll throw this scenario out there. Potential South Region final March Madness. It's in Memphis, North Carolina, UCLA. I wouldn't be surprised to see number 23 show up with a basketball. 
circle indeed and you can't go wrong talking about michael jordan td st matthew daniel thanks for joining the show and remind everyone out there listening where we could find the make it take it podcast and uh when the next episode might be coming through well yeah just hit me up on twitter i'm at producer td just as a sounds producer with the uh td like touchdown on the back end at make it take it part is a twitter handle for the show itself as well uh, we like, uh, likely would hope, hopefully have a part up in the next week or so, um, especially come playoff time or ramping up to the playoffs. We're going to definitely do a lot more shows. Myself, my co-host, Law Murray. Uh, hopefully get some guests on for sure. And, yeah, Mitch, you're definitely more than welcome. Try to get you on and talk some talk some hoops as well. So, yeah, check it out on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, Google Play Podcast. It's all over the place. But, yeah, just hit me up on Twitter as well if you have any thoughts or questions. Uh, and uh, I hope I, I didn't ramble on too much, but hey, we're only supposed to do 30 minutes, but you get me talking hoops, so I started talking hoops and uh, some soccer and movies too. So, Well, absolutely. No problem at all, TD. This was fun. We left some topics for next time. We're definitely welcome back here, and I'd be honored to, to be on your show anytime you need a guest for sure. Uh, sure. One of the best coworkers I had at NFL. Thanks again for taking time to come on the show, and I hope to hear from you, you soon on one of our podcasts. Thanks for having me. Huge thanks to TD St. Matthew Daniel for coming on the Money Mitch Effect today and talking pro hoops. He's very sharp in the game of basketball. And like I said, we were only planning on going a half hour. We went an hour. And there's still a lot I'd like to talk to him about. So he will be back on this show. He's invited back for sure. Big thanks to him. There's going to be one more show this week. It's going to be a March Madness preview show. I'm going to hopefully drop that tomorrow with a couple of guests. We're going to bring back the round table. They're either guests that are hopeful their teams can make a run in March Madness or furious, upset that their teams weren't included in the tournament field. Hopefully you listen to that. It's going to be fun. we got to preview the bracket. It's bracket season, so a lot to digest and discuss there. A reminder, you can find all episodes of The Money Mitch Effect on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Follow me on Twitter, MoneyMitchM21, for sports and other takes, movies, comedy, hip-hop, lifestyle. Yeah, whatever. You know, I think we do that now. And thanks again for listening. This show is, is moving strong, 65 episodes, and it's all because I do have an audience that enjoys it and is able to push me to go further. That's it for the Money Mitch Effect. I am Mitch Michaels. Until next time, enjoy the hoops, enjoy sports with the people you care about. And you'll be hearing from me soon.